Welcome to Our Call to Care, the podcast. Your business has a soul, it has real people and genuine people who, who care. If you are to view somebody as, as kind of somehow less than equal with you, then you then what you find is that is that, that people notice that and it absolutely destroys their their mental health and their confidence. We're unique. And we're unique in the way that we care for human connection. We have some great news. A connection has been made. More than a connection, a partnership. More about that in just a few moments. Some context first. In response to these extraordinary times in which those most vulnerable are feeling more than most of us the pain of isolation, We've come up with a plan. Tesco Mobile reconnects. Between now and 2023, we're committed to giving over £2.4 million to help some of the most vulnerable and disadvantaged people in the UK to reconnect with the society they belong to and are part of. Throughout the catastrophe of COVID and the pain it's caused, we've helped out a whole range of organisations and charities, and we've highlighted many of those stories in this podcast. We've responded as quickly as we can to those who've most urgently needed help. We've given away almost 5,000 phones, another 5,000 SIM cards. But what we've discovered was that 40% of our support was going to homeless causes. Digital connection has a huge role to play when it comes to helping the homeless and those who are helping them to help themselves. Why? Because digital connection enables human connection. And when human connection goes missing, that's what causes the pain, the isolation. But when human connection is present, then there's hope, then there's possibility. So, we're announcing a partnership of two years between Tesco Mobile and Crisis, the charity that's determined to make homelessness and rough sleeping in the UK a thing of the past. And that means phones, of course, airtime, of course, but more than that, We want to mobilise the 5 million Tesco mobile customers to take part in fundraising initiatives and to raise people's awareness of this incredibly important issue, to get behind the cliches and beyond the assumptions, to understand more and create change through human connection. Obviously, we wanted to share that news and hear more from Crisis themselves about how they do what they do, why digital is so important to them, and what this partnership might mean. So we got hold of Matt. Yeah, my name's Matt Downey, and I'm Director of Policy and External Affairs at Crisis. Matt couldn't be a better person to talk to, as you'll hear. Can I jump in with a big question? Yeah. Why do you do what you do? Well, I personally do what I do because the the cause matters to me. It's something that uh, I have personal experience of in my younger life. And I've, I've always wanted to 
make a difference to something which I think is an entirely resolvable issue, uh, which is people who don't have a, don't have somewhere to live. Um, in well, particularly in twenty first century Britain, I think is think it's uh, a matter of a sort of logic puzzle to work out, rather than something we should um, view as in any way uh inevitable or something that's always going to be with us so i don't know a, a, a mixture of something that i care about and have experience of and also hopefully the the sort of practical professional skills to help shift the dial on is is the answer i think so i'd love to ask you obviously about your personal experience if that's all right in a minute um can i just ask you a little bit about this approach so I, I i'm sure you haven't that time but one of the i explained to matt how in our very first episode of the podcast we heard from rob and kathy from westminster city council and st mungo's about their work for rough sleepers in london and how they both said really bluntly that frankly there was just no need for homelessness to exist in the uk today it seems to me like it's a sort of an incredibly rational approach to say there is no logical reason why anybody should be homeless or sleeping rough in 21st century Britain. Is, the, is that a kind of deliberate, newish way of talking about it? Well, I, th- I think the, the con- conception of homelessness and particularly rough sleeping in the minds of, of the British public is is probably too often to see it as something quite simplistic and stereotyped as a kind of um a sort of you know old, older white male with a with a beard who's got a drinking problem um and therefore we will always have older white men with beards and, and we'll always have some of them that, that kind of fail in their life or kind of make bad life choices um and, and that that kind of stereotype uh has become sort of really problematic really because what it does is it stands in the way of understanding why why people get into the situations they're they're in actually the the complete um lack of truth about that stereotype um and also what the solutions are um for people and and i think for myself and a lot of other people working in homelessness who see see the the you know the the when you come to in any individual case of of the problem, you realise that there were points in the journey where homelessness could have been stopped or prevented, um, and that there's in effect no no single human being who experiences homelessness where it couldn't have been prevented or it can't be resolved. And what that does is it lifts any kind of cynicism or fatalism that you, that you have. So, funnily enough, working in homelessness um, can be a very hopeful experience where you know that you've just simply got to aggregate up the solutions that are there for individuals um, to make them as common as possible uh, or as kind of prevalent as needed uh, when it comes to government policies or local local government services or, or amount of money that's available in the benefit system or simply even just changing the way in which services respond. And I think... Yeah, there, therefore, you, you end up with quite a sort of a rational point of view on this, really, which is to say, well, look, if there's, let's say for argument's sake, 10,000 people sleeping rough in this country, that's 10,000 homes we need uh, and 10,000 kind of unique support packages for people, uh, some of whom might need quite intensive yeah. support, some of whom hardly any, any at all or none. Um, and, and once you look yeah. at it that way round, you start to see this as a as a, a really quite uh, it's not it's not easy but it's also not 
sort of rocket science. You know, it's something we can organise ourselves to resolve. Matt went on to talk about a perspective on homelessness that I'd certainly not thought of before. If you if you think about this issue in a slightly different way, what you what you what's it what it's possible to conceive of is that every day, hundreds, maybe thousands of cases of homelessness um, are headed off, and they're headed off because someone makes a phone call to their parents and says, "I'm behind with my rent. Yeah. Can you help me?" Or someone says, "Look, I, um, my landlord's going to kick me out. Can I? Can you put me up for a while? Um, I'm between jobs, and I need I need some help." Or someone says, yeah. "Do you know what? I'm going to take out a loan," or or um, or says to their employer, "You know, could you give me uh, some rent, uh, some some wages in advance, whatever it might be?" And every single yeah. one of those yeah. is is a story of homelessness avoided. And what you tend to find when you talk to somebody who has not had that resilience, who hasn't got that safety net, is that mm. what what they needed uh, was at the right moment for the drama to be taken out of their scenario. So let's say, you cool. know, uh, someone's, someone's wife kicks them out. Um, you quite often hear stories about homelessness where uh, it will start escalating, you know. So I developed a drinking problem and, and I got in trouble with the police and... Years went by in and out of hostels. I found myself on death's door, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And, and those things, are re- they really work because they resonate with what the general public thinks it wants to hear, the kind of cultural norms about homelessness are tapped into. And, you, and you, as a listener, you think, ah, yes, I get that. That's what I walk past every day on my way to mm-hmm. the tube or whatever it is. Um, and it's harder. Mm-hmm. It's really hard work for us to tell stories about the rest of the of the issue or to tell tell stories that don't reinforce this somehow kind of pervasive problem that homelessness is really to do with individual failure um and the reason yeah. that really matters is because you know the general public also includes journalists they include politicians they include decision makers of all sorts and and when it comes to making you know really quite important decisions about about how the issue is responded to the cultural norms through which you approach that that really matter um and yeah. that's why we see you know um some some real hope for example in in the way in which some of the responses to the pandemic have have redrawn um, how we conceive of homelessness to say, oh no, this isn't inevitable. We really could do something special. In fact, we could we yeah. could make this one of the things that makes us most proud in terms of coronavirus response as a country. So, you know, we're we're always in the business of trying to reframe our issue because actually it will turn around the stories we can tell and 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 also the the kind of prospects for ending homelessness. It's so interesting, isn't it? The lens. Yeah, you talk about reframing. Or, or kind of a, a different lens on a story totally changes the way that you perceive and relate to it, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. What What was your story then, Matt? How How What was your personal version of homelessness? Um, well, I mean, I, um, I I don't claim to have anything like the severity of, of many of the stories that you hear every day. I think mine is one of those where... Um, I just about ran out of of the connections I needed, and um, so I was um, I was living in London in a in a terrible kind of I would call it a sort of squat, but we had to pay rent to a terrible landlord. And then one okay. day the place was just re- how old, how old were you? I was I was nineteen, I think. 
yeah, I know the place was repossessed, and we were, and my friends and I were out on our ear, except that I had nowhere to go, and they did. They went back to their parents, um, and okay. I, I knew somebody who had a job. Uh, actually, at that time, there were a number of businesses in Tottenham Court Road Tube Station, um, and I was sleeping on, on the floor of oh. one of these businesses, and then the the owners got wind of it and, and kicked kicked me out. And at that point, I was I was actually on the other side of the door, sleeping in the tube station for a few nights. Um, and um, and I did I did manage to um, persuade somebody in my family to give give me a sort of uh, floor to crash on. And I, I eventually managed to get a part time job and um, and kind of got myself out of it that way. Um, but what was fascinating mm. about it is is that you can see how quickly that that story could could turn into something really really dreadful for for the many people that we that we help because it doesn't take much you know whatever it is that's going to keep you warm um on that night could get you into trouble um and yeah. you know particularly as as young people you see um i think it's 50% of of all cases of homelessness happen under the age of 18 to start with um, so we're, so wow. you know, you, you, you can imagine that when people don't always make the best life choices for themselves, that's where where things can go really wrong, and you need the resilience of friends and family. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm absolutely convinced that I'm very very lucky that some people made some some good choices for me because I wasn't making good choices for myself at that stage in the game. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, we, we all need that, don't we? Uh, yeah, there are certain moments when we. Um we reach out and we need someone to grab our hand, don't we? Yeah, yeah. How long ago was that, Matt? So that oh, you were 19, I, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm in my early 40s now, so that's a long time ago. It's what's what's fascinating is that yeah. I um uh, after that I decided I wanted to work in homelessness, and I was I was going backwards and forwards between my grandmother's f- floor um, and sleeping um, in Tottenham Court Road, and back then you had to pay for the Evening Standard. And I would I would walk up and down the train, which I was fair dodging at the time to to where my grandma was living, on the day when the Evening Standard published their jobs, and I got uh, okay. I saw that in one of the adverts there was a job working at shelter as it happens, um, and I, I went for it in a sort of as a sort of administrator in their finance team, and that was that was the thing that got me out of homelessness was that job, um, and it was. Yeah, it was it was all so all all that goes around comes around so many years later i'm back in the homelessness sector in a in, in a more senior position now uh working at crisis uh trying to make sure that some of the systemic reasons that people kind of don't have a safety net are, are dealt with um and yeah so it's been a long journey okay so let's talk about this um partnership it seems to me like this is quite a big deal. This is, the, the numbers seem to be quite big. The aspiration seems to be quite high. For you, what's the opportunity of, you know, a, a longer term, larger scale partnership? What can you do with one big idea that, you know, is harder with 10 smaller ones? Okay, I, I think the the answer to what is possible in relation to this partnership lies in less less so the kind of financial side of the sort of transactions between organisations, although they are absolutely vital. It is more the idea that you do bring to life the 
the importance of relationships for people and the, and and how um connectivity in this sense is about enabling relationships and uh, we, we've mm. just been through a process and we you know we still are going through a process whereby we've had to completely redraw what our organization does in order to keep in touch with people so that we can help them on their way out of homelessness and because of covid because of covid yeah yeah and you know it, it's always been a challenge it's always been a challenge you know how do you how do you help somebody who you can't necessarily find every day because they don't have, don't live in the same place every mm-hmm. day how do you help somebody who yeah. um, has been let down and feels mis you know distrustful of of so many different authorities and agencies how do you build trust how do you build relationships and then how do you do it when you yourself whether that's a frontline worker for crisis or somebody who's homeless is being told sometimes with quite some some confusion uh what what you know how you should self-isolate how what your safety concerns should be in terms of how you engage with other human beings um when you know when what we know over many many years over 50 years of delivering services is that the special the special bit of delivering services is establishing a human connection between two people upon which you can start making different choices that get you out of homelessness um so the Mm. connectivity really 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 matters and so what i'm after and i think what we're all really excited about in terms of this partnership is that it, it enables us to build a connectivity um in in uh, more varied ways, some of which are to do with uh, responding to the to the virus, but also others to, are to do with kind of the frankly the sort of digital divide that people who are homeless experience. Um, so that that connectivity between us and somebody who who needs that, whether it be you know to negotiate with a landlord to keep them out of homelessness or to do all sorts of things to resolve someone's issues, uh, that needs that needs yeah. attention. But I would also say that there is. You know, the potential reach and enormous kind of um, brand recognition and, you know, connectivity that Tesco Mobile has outwardly is something that yeah. we would love to work with to get to get some re- reality of what homelessness is really about and how to resolve it out to a wider audience. Yeah, I know that the, the plans aren't made in, uh, you know, they're not made in stone yet, but I was really interested to see that there's an intention to engage, you know, Tesco Mobile and Tesco customers in, you know, to, to help people feel like they can do something, whether that's just about, you know, sending in the old phones that are sitting in the kitchen drawer. Be- because that helplessness that have, is on both sides of the divide, isn't it? Mm. That there must be... An incredibly acute sense of hopelessness and helplessness if you're sitting there and you don't have a home and you don't see a way to get out of your situation. And there's a sort of helplessness from the public as well, isn't there? Am I allowed to touch them? Am I allowed to have a conversation with somebody? It feels like we're inhibited. So I wonder and I feel excited by the idea of that broader community that will come with the partnership, not just being able to practically help, but also to maybe think differently about what it is. Is that something that interests you? Very much so. I think I think the the way in which people who are homeless are conceived of, are thought of, is really important to us. So so if if you are to 
uh, view somebody as, as kind of somehow less than equal with you, um, then you then what you find is that is that that people notice that and it absolutely destroys their their mental health and their confidence. Uh, and the opposite is yeah. that is that is that is so we what we hear every single week is someone will tell us one of our our clients or we call them members are the people that work with our, us are our members uh, a member will okay. say to us um uh that that it was somebody stopping to talk to them recognize that they're there as a as a human being that was the highlight of their day or their week not necessarily whether they got you know money or food or clothing given to them but the the yeah. connection as a fellow human being, and you know this stuff is easy to say, um, but it's it really um, you can't overstate the importance of it uh, because if you if you've mm. sat there um, and not spoken to another human being all day, perhaps all week, um, and, and even been fearful of other human beings because of what you know the kind of abuse and and attacks that people are subject to, then the idea that somebody will spend the time to understand who you are, even just you know what your name is and how your day's going, um, let alone anything else, really matters hugely. And I would say, mm. I would say that the, if you take that principle to its extension, you say, all right, we don't just want to recognise people as as fellow human beings, but we want to give them the tools to be connected in ways that are not just kind of the absence of a negative, but a really positive, you know, um, who do you need to talk to? Why? Uh, what can we help you do to access services um, that you really can't unless you've got the the kind of technology to do so? All of that starts to add up to treating somebody like a human being, um, just, just, yeah. just as you or I would expect to be treated. So it's vital. Yeah. It's absolutely vital. And I think um, it's, it's, important to recognize that that as you say also the general public they want this stuff um that that every every time there's a sort of local council um kind of advertising campaign that says you know you're killing with kindness when you when you speak to and give to people sleeping rough the general public hate that stuff and they hate it because they don't like the idea that you walk past somebody and you and you see them deteriorate every day um, and you know, for for those of us that work in homelessness, we know we know the tragedy of this. That you know, between seven and eight hundred people die every year. They die of hunger or freezing cold, or they're murdered, or whatever it might be. Uh, this this stuff isn't. This stuff is serious. And you know, the the the, the public know that in in some way. And what they also know is that they feel dreadful when they when they do walk past somebody and, and don't have any form of connection whatsoever. So having something to do, which is positive, that Tesco Mobile and Crisis and others says, no, this isn't just isn't just positive. It's, it's actually really useful. This is something you can genuinely yeah. do to end homelessness for an individual or for your, your town or for, for the country. Um, people really want it. And um, I think the more solutions that we can find to offer the public, the quicker we get to where everyone wants to get to, which is not having to walk past somebody because they're not there anymore. So it is about changing the way we think. It is about changing the way we behave not just about it's not just about being part of something that feels like a worthy cause there is a practical um tangible shift in people's attitudes and behaviors that 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 we're after yes that's right i think it's um um my personal view on this is that we we probably for too long had a, had a, a sort of social attitude towards 
causes, which is that what we need is charity. What we need is to, in some ways, just make people's lives slightly better and to recognise that their lives mm. aren't very good. Um, and I think that's just insufficient because, you know, we you know, we like to talk about the value of dignity in our organisation and how, um, you know, if, if you had a choice and you could give somebody a bowl of soup or you could give them a tie for an interview, we'd always go for the tie, you know. And it's it's really important that, that people's ability to, to build their life back together is within them and you can help people find you know find out what they need to, what choices they need to make help people towards the the kind of opportunities they need to take to get themselves out of homelessness i mean it could be as simple as you know do you know how to apply for benefits or or who your local council is that can help you out or um or, or many of the other services that we we run i guess you know th- that that's about a change in mindset towards seeing people who are, who are homeless not as defined by their by their homelessness but who just so so happen to be going through a terrible time and need some help to get out of it and if we view homelessness like that then we yeah. we get much quicker to the end point that we all want i think dignity uh connection relationships the, these these are the these are the threads through all this aren't they yeah, absolutely. And you just have to think to yourself, what what would I need in that situation? Um, and what, yeah. what are the things that would drive me further away from um, resolving my issues? And uh, being ignored uh, and, and, and worse, because once you say, once, once the message is out that, you know, people who are homeless are somehow a danger to themselves, you start seeing people as, as less than you are. And that's a slippery slope to some really terrible attitudes towards homelessness. What, what's your ambition with the partnership, Matt? What would you love us to be able to say in a couple of years' time? How will you know if this has worked? Well, I think we'll know this has worked if, if, we've, if we've got the stories to tell that this worked because it's about human beings being able to say that because they were able to be connected with people that they needed to, to speak to, whether it's, you know, reconnecting with the old friends and relatives that you lost touch with through homelessness or the right services mm. to get you out of homelessness. Um, and therefore, what then happened um, in terms of people's lives going back to normal and people achieving their, their actual aspirations, that if we've got those stories and if we've got them in good numbers, then, then this will have been a, an amazing success. And I think it will also tell us that we've, we've perhaps been missing something in our, in our approach to homelessness in, in the sense that we talk about housing a lot, quite right. Uh, we talk about employment, quite right. Um, you know, we talk about helping people with mental health problems or out, you know, out of kind of addictions, but we don't very often talk about mm. connectivity. We don't often talk about how um, it is human connections that enable us to, to build, you know, build our way out of our problems um, and, and also help organizations like crisis help people help themselves, you know, and it's it, it, so a couple of years down the line, I hope we've got hundreds of these stories so that we can reset some of the ways in which we talk about homelessness and people themselves can talk about the difference that the connectivity, the technology, the kit has really made and also that Tesco Mobile, as, as a set of you know really um, dedicated people working in all sorts of roles across the organisation, feel really proud of what they've done because I'm absolutely sure they will be. I'm, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right about that. Well, listen, hopefully that this podcast can play a role in sharing some of those stories as as the partnership grows and as we learn more so i i i, I only say that 
instead of saying, I hope that we talk again soon, Matt, and, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, and build the relationship and create some depth. Um, yeah, and just thank you so much for uh, for your honesty uh, and and your really, really sharp descriptions of some of the things. I'm sitting here reconsidering some of my attitudes already. But, so thank you for your time. Total pleasure, Carl. Yeah. Uh, and... Yeah, and we'll we'll speak again soon, I hope. Nice one. So look, we are so excited to be working with Crisis. And you can help too, by donating, of course, or by getting involved with the programme as it unfolds. And as we end this first season of the podcast, and we'll be back very soon, I hope, with more, I'm struck by how many of the people we've spoken to so far and that certainly includes Matt, have reached out to help those who are most vulnerable in our society simply because, like us, they care for human connection. Thanks for listening.